0: And welcome to Map Bites episode one hundred and fourteen. I'm Elaine Giles, and I'm here with my co-host Mike Thomas. In this episode, expanding households, copious new toys, and a confessional pinning in the pews. Hmm. Well, we managed to surprise you last time with news of the Great and Castle shooting incident. Following the release of the show, we heard from so many of you enquiring if I was okay. Some even asking if it was a true story. Sadly, I can assure you it really was, and thank you for your kind words. I'm happy to report I'm much improved now, and not to worry you all, but I can confirm we have booked for the next adventure in deepest Cheshire next year. The emergency services have been warned and the local hospitals are on standby. And we have another follow-up too. Oh yes. Since many of those present on the day were our friends from church, The priest had got wind of the incident
1: and accosted you the first chance he had on our return. He was all over it, demanding details, but that wasn't the best bit. No, the best bit was when I wandered up to the pair of you, where he had you pinned to the pew. He looked increasingly stunned at your regaling of the tale. Mm, At which point you asked the question. I did. Go on, share it. Possibly the most inappropriate question you could ever ask a priest. I merely asked if he wanted to see a topless photo of me showing the wound. To
0: which he replied? Hell yes. Let's just hope he arranged a visit to confession for himself ASAP. My eyes. Can I just explain? I have very long hair and there was absolutely nothing on show that couldn't be viewed in polite company. Mm, Not that he knew that when he said, hell yes. An excellent point, but moving swiftly along. Um, It's nothing short of a miracle the show's out at all.
1: What, with you still recovering from the shooting, you mean? That as well. But I actually meant the debacle of the show notes. Oh yes, remember when I deleted the show notes completely? I'm sure the MacBiters won't forget. I know I certainly won't. Mm, Me neither. Anyway, last week it went from the sublime to the ridiculous, from having no show notes when I deleted them last time to having three copies. Care to explain? Of course, we recently implemented a new system here at MapBytes headquarters. And contrary to what you might think, the podcast isn't all random. You produce a PDF containing some notes. The notes are what we refer to during the recording of the show, and. You used to pass a copy over to me. I'd look through them, mark anything that needed changing or adding, pass them back to you. And that's how a game of Pass the Parcel started. So you decided that the PDF would be stored in your Google Drive account. You'd share it with me. I'd open my browser, navigate to Google Drive, click on the name of the file and it opens in a preview mode in the browser but it's a full WYSIWYG preview. It's got an awesome commenting feature. So when something needs changing, I select the text, click the add comment button, and then you go through the comments, make the changes to the notes, and regenerate the PDF. So a couple of shows ago, having added some comments to the PDF via the browser preview, I decided to click Open in Google Docs just to see if the comments came across. You know, like the kids who say, I wonder what this button does, and they just press it.
0: Yeah, if I just stick my finger in this electrical socket, you mean,
1: I wonder what'll happen. That's the one. Anyway, the comments didn't come across. In addition, all the formatting was messed up. But that wasn't the worst thing, because the next day you said to me, why are there three copies of the show notes in Google Drive? And it turned out that opening the PDF in Google Docs had created a docs copy of the notes file. But because I'd done it twice, sticking your finger in the plug twice, it had in fact created two docs files. So there we have it, Mike's magically multiplying show notes.
0: It's a good job you only did it twice. It is. Two copies and the original. Never trust a man. Anyway, we heard from Evie, who was very interested in the global shortcut key to merge Finder windows and how to create it. So there's two methods to do this. The first one's free and the second one is much more flexible, but a cost. The first way is to go to system preferences and choose keyboard shortcuts app shortcuts. Now, if you've never added Finder before, you'll need to add it as an app and then you can choose it from the dropdown. Enter Merge All Windows. So that's the actual command from the menu and then specify a shortcut key. Now, the shortcut key I use is Control and M for Merge. Makes sense to me. And that's it. You can then test it by opening two or more Finder windows and use the shortcut key that you've added in the setup. Simplicity itself. The second way is using Keyboard Maestro, which is from Stairway Software. Now, it's $30 but it's worth every penny to me. It's the app that fixes all the other apps when they invariably break. So to use Keyboard Maestro, you'd need to create a Keyboard Maestro macro. Very similar process. But why use the paid solution? Well, the benefit of that is you can save your Keyboard Maestro settings to Dropbox and share it on other machines. So it means it's really simple to synchronise with your other Macs. But even if you only have one Mac, it's a much faster way to get back up after a reinstall of everything, if you ever need to do that. So I think Keyboard Maestro is a really worthwhile addition to your workflow. But if you want to do it the the, the free way, then go for option one. Problem with that is you've got to recreate it on every machine that you want it added on. So um, good question, Evie. Good, good question. Now, are we keyed up for this?
1: We are right after, after three. three. No. One, one, two, two, three. three. iPad, 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 iPad. 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 Oh,
0: can I start this by saying that I absolutely loved my 2017 10.5 inch iPad. It was the best size for portability. And I probably used it more than I did the bigger one. But the bigger one was better for demos. Now, I probably wouldn't have upgraded this year but for the pencil. So the iPad was an afterthought. Pretty much, if I'm honest, because I use my pencil a lot. And then the addition of the double tap to change tools is a game changer for fast note taking. Now, unlike last time when Jane tempted me into buying two, I only got one this time. That's restraint right there. I went for the 11 inch 256 gig in space grey. It wasn't without
1: incident, though, was it?
0: It never is. This time, no time to think. Usually there's an Apple event and you've got till the Friday to place your orders. Oh, no. Orders were being taken straight after the event. So straight out of the MapBytes Live into the order page. No rush, said Mike. Plenty of time to consider the options, said Mike. They can't sell more pencils than iPads said Mike. I'll just go and deliver a webinar. We can sort it all out later, said Mike. You can probably guess what happened next. I get the iPad in the basket. Release day arrival, sorted. I get the pencil in the
1: basket. Three week back order. What? Meltdown. Wasn't only your toys that came out of the pram, was it?
0: No, in complete disgust, I threw everything out of the basket and sulked off to bed.
1: And I sulked off to the doghouse. From where you completely redeemed yourself the following morning. Mm, the thought of living with you for the next seven days glaring at me was too much. I was up bright and early, scouring the apple site for a pencil, and I found one. Redemption was so close.
2: I'm sensing about here.
1: But to redeem myself, I had to get you out of bed to place the order for what I had in the basket at what for you was an ungodly hour of the morning. In other words, it was before lunch. Luckily for you, I sensed you hovering in the doorway with intent. Mm. At which point I uttered the magic words. There's an Apple Pencil and an 11-inch iPad in the basket for release day delivery. Do you want them?
2: I believe the appropriate colloquial reply to that is, do bears. Sp-
1: not on, Siri. Credit card duly exercised
0: and I returned to bed. Arrival was absolutely painless. I lucked out and I got DPD. If their initials don't mean dream parcel delivery, then they should. I'm actually now on first name terms with their driver, Damien. He always ensures I get my toys.
2: He's too scared not to.
0: True, uh, because you might recall that infamous delivery of Pencil One back in 2015. I was promised DPD delivery on a Friday and after several phone calls and much persuasion, Damien did get it to me about 10pm, but they got it here. They'd learnt their lesson and this time it arrived early and I'd scheduled the whole day to set up my new baby. First thing, obviously, after you've turned it on, is Face ID which, if you recall, I wasn't keen on when they announced the iPhone 10. It actually put me off buying it. I much preferred the finger thing, but no choice here. It was very, very easy to set up. You do feel a bit of an idiot holding it in front of you and turning your head all angles. Um, But once I'd set it up, you actually forget it's there once you start to use it. It just works. Hmm. Scary. Um, It was also my first USB-C device. So I'd got no existing cables, dongles or anything else USB-C related. I did find a solution to a problem, but more on that later. So it's a fraction bigger screen wise. You've got half an inch bigger screen. Doesn't actually feel that much bigger when you're holding it, though. But I did find for note taking, the size is perfect. The shape's very unusual for an iPad. If you think of a big iPhone 4, but slightly thinner, you're there. And I actually found it took some getting used to. It's now got a case on it, which I didn't initially have. And that has actually made working with it easier. But <clears throat> because I didn't have a case, I started looking at the Apple cases. Obviously, I looked at the other ones first, but none of them were spot on. Um, Apple had clearly being devious. And none of them were as as good in terms of access to everything you needed access to as the Apple ones. But the keyboard folio was 179 <laughs> The prices are so high they should be illegal. The smart folio, which is basically the magnetic cover and the back, £85. Left the edges wide open though. The smart cover was £45, which scarily is cheaper than the original magnetic cover for ipad 2 do you remember that one i remember that one it was one we got from liverpool yeah. we both went for red didn't we
1: i got red yeah i got red
0: i red. wanted black but they didn't do black so i ended up with uh red which was the product red and i think it was 69 pounds <clears throat> were we insane <laughs> still that was worth it more than that first one ipad one and the black thing Now, as I said, nothing at all at Amazon could accommodate the pencil. Um, I think Apple gave them the specs to to the case manufacturers, but they assumed that the pencil magnet, which you could clearly see, didn't need almost the entire side leaving open. Eventually, I found one. So it was only naked for a few days. This is my iPad. Um, Doubtless, you can probably get cheaper now. than The third party sellers seem to have caught up with it. But I'm actually very happy with the one I bought. Looking at it, it's identical to the Apple version, but it's better because it's in black. The Apple versions, when I looked at the colours, I thought they're very limited. Um if you want the keyboard, it seems to be just in a dark grey, which I've not actually had a laying on of hands, but it looks fabric y. The smart folio, which is the back and front, is only available in three colours grey, pink, and white. I didn't think white would last long being white, would you?
1: No, it will get mucky wouldn't it it would get on? filthy wouldn't it yeah.
0: um so there really would be only the gray because the pink you know that's not happening um the smart cover is actually quite appealing in terms of functionality but because because it's such an unusual shape for an ipad i felt it needed a back cover on it as well um but the smart covers available in gray pink midnight blue white and product red why no black is there only me that just likes black all the time anyway mm. i got this other one so it was fine um, one thing I noticed on the setup, which you were there watching, weren't you? It was a complete doddle. Um, it it sends to my iPhone and asked if I wanted to transfer the settings, which I've never done before. Basically, you hold it close to the iPad, enter your password, and, and the tech does the rest. Do you realise that's the second thing that just works? Hmm. There was only one issue that I thought was poor. Do you remember when we talked about calendar spam in 107? I'm not likely to forget it, now. No, no, the calendar spam wasn't good. And we also talked about photo spam, where, where you get invitations to shared... <laughs> don't look at them. Oh, don't look at them. Um, Shared albums, things. You've not a clue what I'm talking about because you've not opened it, have you? I do know what you're talking about. Yeah, but you've not opened iPhoto. No. Photos, whatever. Mm. Well, um, I... I did make the mistake. Well, actually, no, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't deliberately open it. There was a badge on it and it said two. And then when I went into it, it was the spam stuff. So got rid of that again. If you remember, there was over 3,100 people complaining that they'd got the same issue. Two years on, the issue's still alive and well. But it is a beautiful piece of kit. And adding that case made it feel just right to me. I wear a couple of rings and a naked back on my iPad made me nervous.
1: So you were all spent up then?
0: Not so fast, boy. Once I got the iPad ordered, my attention turned to the new MacBook Air. I feel before I explain this, we should mention Jane's patented definition of the
1: concept of need versus want. The MacBiters are well aware of there being no distinction between the two where Kit's concerned at MapBytes HQ.
0: Maybe not, but there was serious and rational consideration given to this. You keep telling yourself that girl. Oh, believe me, I intend to. No, seriously. Um, In the over 12 years I've been on a Mac, I've only ever had two Mac laptops. The first was a 2006 17-inch MacBook Pro, and I loved it. It was my primary mobile device for over six years. I only bought the second laptop when circumstances demanded it. It was a 2012 11-inch MacBook Air, and it was bought when Dad was ill and needed ferrying around for medical appointments. So that previous laptop, being the 17-inch one and six and a half years old, it was had a very dodgy battery by that point, and It was very heavy, and I was having to work in the car, so it wasn't going to work. The iPad back in 2012 was iPad Cyril, a third generation, released in March 2012. The one you didn't know was arriving, as I recall.
1: <clears throat> That's the one. Anyway,
0: yeah. The new laptop um, is a SpecTop Space Gray MacBook Air 13 inch. Colour of which looks way better than I was expecting. Uh, I don't really venture into the Apple store any more often than I actually have to. And the photos don't do the Space Gray one justice. You know, the gold one does. You can tell from the photo it looks very nice. <laughs> gold not happening here. But... It does look very nice. Space grey one looks a little bit dull by comparison, but when it arrived, it's beautiful. It is beautiful. Um, I actually like the fact that the darker surround, um, the the front, where where the actual monitor part is, the screen part is, it's got like a black border on it like you would have on an iPad. And you can just see a couple of millimetres of the case. And it's nice that it's very dark. It, it, It virtually indistinguishable from the surround. I took it out of the box and I thought mm, that weighs more than I thought it would. So I picked up my 11 inch MacBook Air and I, I'm weighing one in one hand, one in the other. And I thought, actually, it's very, very similar. And then I realised, yes, and it's two inches bigger, woman. <laughs> I would totally forgotten that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so weight wise, very similar. Size wise, it's not actually that much bigger than the 11 inch either. But the first thing that struck was the serious lack of ports. Um, it's got two USB-C things. Uh, and as the iPad Pro was my first USB-C device, again, not a cable adapter or dongle in the house. Um, it arrived about three or four days later and I hadn't had chance to source anything. So I couldn't even plug a pen drive in until I recalled buying a cheap adapter for a MacBook Pro that you purloined from work for all of about 10 minutes. So I fished it out of the drawer from whence it had only ventured once. And I was amazed when it actually worked. Literally, these things, there was three in a packet and I think they're about three pounds. So I did actually manage to plug something in fractionally. Um, So next thing, uh, the Touch ID and the Apple Watch. Now, bear in mind, had an Apple Watch for over two years. I have got it set up to unlock my iMac, but it never does it. I've worked out why it never does it Uh, on first boot. So when you reboot, you actually need to put your password in. But if it goes to sleep after that, then I'm assuming you can use the watch. Never happens because it never goes to sleep. It's always doing something. So I've I've never actually noticed the watch vibrating on my hand and letting me in. That's obviously for the iMac. I'm at home with that. I'm not traveling with it. It's not moving, so I don't consider it needs it on. But my other MacBook Air is used mainly at home. So I haven't got the auto lock turned on on that either. But with this one, the default configuration means that the auto lock was on when it was set up. So. I noticed it was there and, and I you, know, Do you want to use your Apple watch, set the touch ID. up. So I did the touch ID, seemed fine. Uh, then it asked about the Apple watch and I said, yep, that's fine. So the default configuration was it was on. And I've stuck with it because it is, it's completely seamless. Having both set up and enabled, I'm very seldom asked to enter a password at all. And But the watch is automatic, so I don't actually have to use the touch ID as much as I was expecting I would which is new for me, as I say, never used it on the the, uh, iMac or the old MacBook Air. When it does require the Touch ID, it's worked every time. It only makes you want that Touch ID more on a standard Apple keyboard or a trackpad. Do you know what? That would be one way for Apple to sell you something that you wouldn't otherwise need. Apple should love that idea. Don't know if it's on the way, though. Who knows? Uh, Charging, I had the same issue as with the iPad. Luckily, the cable supplied with the MacBook Air is both longer and much thicker. Having said that, being thicker, it's a little bit inflexible. But at least it's longer, so no need to work on the floor. But I would need to crawl under the desk to plug the block in, which isn't happening. So again, more on that later. I've came up with a solution. A cheap solution, which we like. Now, I'm not sure if the keyboard on this thing is the one, the same one as the MacBook Pro that's caused all the fuss. Haven't people been going on about that for two years now? I don't know if it's exactly the same, but I actually like it. I'm not having any problems transitioning at all. And I was expecting that I might find it annoying, but I didn't. So maybe it's not the same. I don't know, but it's working for me. Then, of course, I needed to buy it some clothes. So I got a slipcase, case, um, black leathery thing described as being for the surface. I guess size wise, they're very similar. And I was buying at that point where the descriptions for these things hadn't been updated. So I went solely off measuring it um, and seeing if it would fit. As I say, I went for the black. There are some other colours available. Um, very nice colours and brown. So I've put a link to all of those um, in there, all of the different colours. Um, there was a beautiful Kingfisher Aquary thing that I must admit I really did fancy. It was a beautiful colour. And I got the same case for the iPad, but I ended up with black for both because this what they're calling mint green. Might have been beautiful, but I figured, you know, no, it's going to be filthy, so leave it alone. But they were only, uh, I think I paid £15, which I didn't think was bad when you see the Apple prices. I was still reeling from the 179 for the keyboard. So um, at that point, I will admit I was all spent up. What about you? What about me? Which iPad, which laptop did you go for? Shall we ask the MacBiters to sit down?
1: Mm, go on. Do sit down. The 12.3 inch.
0: There's always one, isn't there, that has to go for something different.
1: Different me? Go on. I didn't buy an iPad. No. I told you I wasn't wasn't getting one this time round. You said you'd look. Oh, I looked, but I didn't bother getting one. No, and then there was the MacBook Air. What did you think of that? Didn't buy a MacBook either.
0: No. Go on, tell them. Put them out of their misery.
1: I bought a Surface Pro. Dun, dun,
0: dun! Do you want to say that again, just in case they missed it. I've said it. You say it again.
1: What a Surface Pro! Gone back to the dark side. Oh my! You're going to have to explain why. Okay, I'll explain why. Um, most of my professional work is done in Windows, um, Microsoft Office, especially Excel. Now there is a Mac version of uh, of Office, but it doesn't have as much functionality. I'll give you some examples. Excel, the high-level business intelligence tools are missing. OneNote, there's lots of missing functionality, as you well know. About 90%. Yeah. Outlook, there's lots of missing functionality. Though Never they, opened it. Um, they did recently add Send to OneNote, which is actually the only reason I use Outlook on the Mac is for the Send to OneNote button, so I can send my emails directly to uh, to OneNote. Anyway, up to now, I've always used Windows in a VM on my Mac using uh, VMware Fusion, although I have actually just switched to Parallels, but that's another story for another day. I use it for delivering training and for creating video tutorials. And until I got my 27-inch iMac last year, I was running it on a 2013 iMac with 16 gig of RAM. Now, that's 16 gig total on the machine. And half of that was handed over to Windows. It wasn't a great experience. It was slow to boot. It was slow to run. Whereas the 27 inch iMac has 64 gig of memory. And I decided to split it 50-50. So Windows is using 32 gig and it's lightning fast. Windows runs very, very quickly. And the Mac runs very, very quickly. So much so that I actually have my virtual machine running pretty much all the time. Even when I'm not using it, I'll just minimize it. I did actually buy a Windows laptop a couple of years ago. Um, It wasn't the best spec. It was about £500. And it was really just to have a backup in case something happened to the Mac. But it was quite heavy to carry around. Now, initially, I didn't actually want to buy a Surface because I felt that I had all I needed with a, li- a, a lightning-fast virtual machine. But you persuaded me that I needed a portable Windows machine and who am I to disagree?
0: I'm so generous like that, aren't I?
1: You are. Do you know,
0: Jane taught me everything I know. Good. You- <laughs> actually,
1: <laughs> go on.
0: <laughs> you could actually have ended up with two, so think yourself lucky. <laughs>
1: yeah don't ever Um, ask jane for advice unless you want to bankrupt yourself um what did i buy well i bought i bought the top of the range i bought the surface pro i7 which has got 16 gig of memory that's as much memory as it'll take um 512 gig hard drive Actually, it wasn't total top of the range because you can get a one terabyte uh, hard drive, but I felt I didn't need that amount of storage because a lot of my stuff lives in the cloud. Cost me. Well, you
0: say that, you know, but it was actually very difficult to know where to buy that from.
1: That's that's true. Um, because there
0: were options on the website, weren't there? And even from Microsoft, some of those really high end options,
1: like the one terabyte drive, w- w- you couldn't click them yeah it just it was grayed out when you mm. when you click your choices as to to what spec you want but it cost me 1799 pounds um it's you can actually get it for 200 pounds cheaper on the black friday deals i don't know if if those deals are still on uh but if if anyone out there in any of the map biters wants a, a surface pro then
0: what's the head examined
1: <laughs> <you> can, <laughs> You can get a discount or you could up until the other day anyway. Um, I also bought the Type Cover keyboard. That was £124. And I bought the Microsoft Pen for £99. What I did is I didn't buy it from Microsoft. I bought it from John Lewis. And the main reason for that was, one, we have a John Lewis not too far from us. So I could go and get a bit of... We're blessed. Hands-on. We have two. Oh, we do have two, don't we? We do.
0: Yes. We have one at the Trafford Centre, in... which is two miles up the road. And we have one at, what's that place che- called? Cheadle. Cheadle something.
1: Yeah. But uh, I wasn't going to the Trafford Centre, not four or five. No, no, or no, no, Before no, no.
0: They're working on the tram lines. Do not venture near the Trafford Centre. You'll, be, you'll need provisions and a blanket.
1: So I, I got it from John Lewis, one, because it meant we could go there and get some hands-on and have a play around with it. But the other thing about John Lewis is you get a two-year guarantee instead of the, the, the one-year, and that's, that's actually standard for electrical goods across the board at John Lewis. Uh, I did consider a 13-inch MacBook Pro um, with, a, with a virtual machine. But when I looked, the equivalent spec, so i7 16 gig, 512 uh, gig hard drive, would actually have been more expensive. And then the 16 gig of RAM would have needed to be split between Windows and and, and Mac OS. To get the 32 gig of RAM in order to give Windows the 16 gig would have meant a 15-inch MacBook Pro. And for me, that would have been too big and more expensive. It would have actually been 50% more expensive than the Surface. Now, looking at the, the Surface site, the Microsoft Surface site, um, and I'll we'll put a link in the show notes if anyone really wants to go and click it.
0: Of course they will.
1: I didn't realize there's, there's so much choice. And I don't mean just with the amount of RAM and disk space, etc. cetera, uh, in the Surface itself. I mean different devices. There's the Surface Go, which is the small tablet, which we discussed in a previous show. I wonder if McJim has taken the plunge yet. Yes, let us know, McJim, if you bought a a Surface. I know you were talking about uh, considering it. Uh, But there's also the Surface Laptop and the Laptop 2. The Laptop 2 is the original Surface Laptop version 2. It's a traditional laptop, but it's got a touchscreen. And it's got a fabric covered keyboard, which was a little bit different, wasn't it? Mm. The version two, um, there's not much difference from the version one. It's got a better processor. And then there's the Surface Book 2, which is a hybrid tablet and laptop. It's basically a tablet with a detachable keyboard. It's described by Microsoft as a high end machine aimed at power users. Now. Each device comes with different configuration options. You can have an i5 processor, you can have an i7 processor. You've got options on the amount of RAM, so you can have 4, 8 or 16 gig. You've got options on the hard drive space, 256 through to 1 terabyte. But my advice, if you are looking for one, is to shop around. In the UK, we've got um, Curry's PC World, we've got John Lewis and the microsoft store online but i'm sure they're not the only places selling them so what i'll do next time is i'll talk about the device itself talk about setting it up using the type Cover keyboard and my experiences with the microsoft pen you missed out one device Did the I? one that i was drooling all over which was that Oh, yeah. The studio. That's right. Well, I missed it out because it's not exactly portable. It's bigger than the 27 uh, inch <laughs> iMac. It's got a 28 inch screen and it's the one that was announced
0: the night before an Apple event, either one year ago or two. And it looked very nice. Um, it basically, think of an iMac. Mm, did it have a chin? I don't think it had a very big chin if it had one. Um, so think of an iMac. But instead of being on like a single plinth leg, it's on a kind of pivot thing with with two prongs at the back and you can manipulate the screen to pull it towards you and flip it downwards so you can actually it's, it's touch screen works with the pencil, sorry, pen, Microsoft have a pen, Apple have a pencil. Um, And I'd never actually seen one in the silicon, as it were. But I was interested in, to, in seeing one in the silicon. So we, we wandered in and I, I didn't really expect them to have one. It never struck me, you know, that John Lewis would be the place to get one. I thought you'd need a Microsoft store. So you went in, you're looking at the, the stuff and I'm idly stood next to you, you know, gazing around. There was an Apple display. And to be honest, the whole thing just looks sad. And then I saw the back of this, what looked like an iMac with a Windows logo on. And I thought, oh, is that the studio? flipped around the bench and it was. And so I'm stood there looking at the front of this studio, Surface Studio, and about six to eight foot away, there's an iMac. And to be honest, it looked totally sad by comparison to this studio. It looked old and it looked tired. Um, this thing was beautiful and the, everything worked Amazingly, I, I was surprised. I thought, oh, you know, you'll come to manoeuvre it and you'll need to put everything down. But no, it was very fluid. And there was a pencil, wasn't there? A pen, sorry, a pen. I'll get this right in the end. Shall I have a drinking game every time I say pencil? <clears throat> no, not on top of the Amazon one. We'll be here all night. Um, so I, I picked up this pen and the pen you'd been using on the surface on the other side of the bench. So I thought, well, I'll have to do some jiggery pokery to get it attached to this studio. So I took it near the screen and no, it just automatically connected and away I went. I thought, wow, wow, that's good. Um, It had that dial thing next to it, but I wasn't exactly sure what that was supposed to do. But I had a rare old go with it and um, it was very nice. Just a shame it runs Windows, really. But, you know, I looked at that and I looked at the iMac and I thought, if this was the iMac, if only, if only this was the iMac, I'm not actually sure whether I'd flip it down very often and... Manipulate it with my fingers, don't know what you'd think something that size, probably not, but I, don't I could know. see the advantage if you were finger painting and I could see the advantage of using the pen um if you were in an, an art app, but if you were doing that, surely you'd be better with an iPad or a surface. Pro that you can kind of cradle in your arm and manipulate round, whereas this would be static in front of you. But it was a very, very nice machine. You'll all be glad to hear I left the store without one only because I thought there might be a new one uh, incoming imminently, which I believe there now is. So <clears throat> return visit might be in order. <laughs> Having said that, the credit card's not come in yet for what I spent last month. So if I leave it until it is, I won't be going anywhere. Uh, so Yes, you didn't mention that one. Was that because you didn't fancy it?
1: Because it wasn't portable. I was looking for portability.
0: Oh, really? I don't mind. I don't mind if my toys are anchored to the desk as long as they're good toys. Anyway, another little gift for you this week from
1: a very generous me. Is it still a gift if I ask?
0: Yes, and I'm still
1: generous. I wanted to watch the... Going back to the dark side again here. Yeah, I wanted to watch the Manchester City all or nothing documentary on Amazon Prime Video. Um, I don't have a personal Prime account, though. I thought I might be able to see it as I do have Prime one day delivery. I thought you should, because ages ago we did the account share thing
0: and you have ordered stuff with free Prime one day delivery even in the last few weeks. So I thought you'd be okay.
1: Yeah, I did a quick Google and it seems that it's all changed. There's now a concept of an Amazon household which allows you to share all the prime benefits from one account with another account. It sounded great. Until you notice the bit about the credit cards, you mean? Yeah, for this to work, you must allow the other person access to your credit card for digital purchases. Which is a very clever way to ensuring that you're not just adding casual
0: friends to your account so it protects the integrity of the system. I was thinking it'd be interesting what the opinion of the credit card company would be. Surely it's bound to be against the T's and C's.
1: We didn't worry about that though did we? It's a very simple process. Both parties must be present. The person with the prime benefits goes to amazon.co.uk slash myh slash households there's a mouthful for you clicks to create the household adds the second person username and password required hence both parties need to be present and that's it all the prime benefits from the primary account instantly available to the second account so disgusted with united's recent bus parking performances you settled in to watch manchester city's glory years Like I said, moving to the dark side. But uh, they did show when we beat them to stop them winning the league. Anyway, moving swiftly along.
2: He means yes.
1: But now, back to our intrepid past selves and the great calendar move
0: of 2018. We just completed the deed, if you recall. All calendars successfully transferred to Google and all was well. I thought a quick recap was in order, though. Why did we do it? Well, that was show 112. And we covered everything from what we used to do before the, we had the Mac, moving through to an Apple solution, Busy Sync. Do you remember that? That was a nightmare. Sacrifice a chicken with Busy Sync. Then there was Busy Cal, Busy Contacts, and the several big Apple-enforced moves, which were just as horrific in my memory as I thought about them as they were at the time. Dot um, Mac to mobile me, mobile me to iCloud, iCloud to iCloud 2.0, etc. etc. Um, and we explained three strikes and they were out. And uh, they were the week long calendar sync failure, the calendar spam that was driving the pair of us insane because we were getting double. If I got spam, it was shared with Mike and vice versa. Um, And then there was the apps. BusyCal broke the colour system and Spark broke everything. Uh, All to do with um, trying to update it to do other things. So we had two potential solutions. We could add an email to our primary Apple ID, not happening, or move to Google. And that was when we made the decision to move to Google. How we approached it was covered in 113, basically copious backups. Uh, we talked about the number of calendars we had. We had quite a lot. We exported them all, imported them all and then hit a wall. So we talked through what we did about all that. So today it's, does it work? The burning question, does it work? Um, it does, doesn't it? What concerned me, I'm, I'm guessing you, before we moved, was what issues we would face once we'd done the deed. Would I be right? Yeah. Potential issues for me were iCloud is so integrated with all your Apple kit that you never have to think about you know to add accounts and get um oh, what the app specific password all that kind of stuff you don't really have to think about that Google less so understatement so in my mind the question was would anything ever work again but it's nowhere near as much of an issue as you would think it might be. Once the Google account is added to the system, so that could be on your Mac or on your iOS device, it behaves identically in terms of simplicity with iCloud. Now, the solution that we've ended up with, the one at this point we were poised to create, needed to work on macOS, iOS in a browser and on Windows. So on the Mac, you add the account via system preferences accounts. Once that Google account is added, there's virtually no difference between that and an iCloud account. Same system on iOS. You've got that option to add accounts in the system preferences. And once you've added your Google account, there is basically no difference. Uh, In a browser, things behave better, if
1: anything. And on Windows, I have no idea. Over to you, Mike. With Windows, well... Outlook, you just add the account and off you go. It's as simple as typed in my email address, typed in my password. It knew it was a Google account. No problem. And browser, same as any other desktop operating system. No problem at all.
0: Well, our thoughts going into it were you could be forgiven for thinking it'll be the Apple way or the highway and that dumping iCloud isn't an option. I think that's what kept me on it for about the last two years. But actually doing it, and fair enough, I planned it carefully, but doing it was plain sailing, given how much data we were transferring over. Now, obviously, you still have the need for your Apple ID. It drives the core of the entire Apple ecosystem. But your calendars don't have to be on iCloud to work as intended. In fact, I found working in a browser clunky using iCloud the two-factor authentication seemed to ping every device except the one i needed to use do you recall the day i had to log in to get a pages file open in a browser and when i got home it had pinged all the devices at home but not the phone that was in my hand (laughs) that was ridiculous i just couldn't get in so i had to recreate the document i just Mm -hmm. couldn't do it so two factors fabulous when it works um With Google Calendars, access is the same on all platforms. Now, once I'd planned this out, I determined I was aiming for a platform independent workflow. Note, not an iPad only workflow. Take note, iPad only fundamentalists. No, I wanted this to be platform independent. Uh, And it is. It is now completely platform independent. It doesn't matter where I am. Browser, apps, iOS, even Windows doesn't matter. Just it just works. Um, One thing that I instantly noticed, I don't think you were overly bothered about it, but I'm reckoning you're appreciating it now. The colours in the Google Calendar apps and on the website, they're, they're bright and they're bold. And they're a joy to work with. And that was one of the issues back in part one of this, if you recall. I'd been using BusyCal and the colours were OK. They weren't as bright as the Google ones, but they were OK. And then they muted the colours to such a point that the colours I'd used, which was like um, a yellow, red, brown and orange, they all looked the same. I I couldn't distinguish between them. And I had a conversation with uh, the people at BusyCal. That didn't go well. got told I was an idiot, basically, (laughs) and that it was their way or the highway. So bye. And um, using the apps and and the website now, these colours are perfect. I've actually seen a couple of videos from other people and they've said exactly the same. So these colours, they do need to provide you with options. You know, you might want them muted. On the other hand, you might want no colours at all, just just all black and white. Or you want them bright and bold like I do. And I'm finding that a lot better. Are you finding it better or do you not care? I don't care. No, typical, not aesthetic in the slightest. Now, the one thing that we've not done yet, we've not moved our contacts. This is because the fields are not standard across provider platforms. Now, it would have been very simple to move them. And if I had have moved them, then I would actually have moved them. I wouldn't have had them in both places. I wouldn't have had them on iCloud and in Google. I would actually have moved them, which would not have been the most intelligent thing I'd ever done. Because once I move them, you lose the groups. Uh, the groups that are available to you in, what's it called now? Address book? Used to be address book. Contacts. Contacts. Yeah, whatever it's called now. Um, yeah, but You very seldom go into it if you think about it. You put them in and then you leave them be. But those groups, they're there in the native Apple app. They're there in busy contacts, but they're not there on Google. It's to do with labels versus tags versus groups. So you can have labels, but labels aren't groups. So I'm going to need an alternative system here. Um, What I'm going to do is what I was doing way back in the day when I very first moved to a Mac. And what I used to do back then was there's a notes field and that notes field is common across platform providers. And I'm going to have to put in unique codes in the notes field, which unfortunately is a manual process. But I should have stuck to my guns in the first place because it's better for long term use. So the groups I've got... I'll filter them out in busy contacts and then I'll come up with a keyword and what what I'm intending on doing at the moment is actually putting either grp for group or kw for keyword and an underscore and then whatever it is and that way you know I don't want to put something in there like um let me think computer supplier Because if I put that in as a tag, massive air quotes, I could find that that's in the name of one of the entries. So I want stuff that's unique. So that's the plan. I shall report back when the deed is done. Um, But that could be a while. Do you know how many contacts I've got? I I don't think I know half these people. 500. I'm sure I don't know 500 people. So I'm going to have to triage them as well. I'll probably get get to about 50 and think, who are these people?
1: Where does it tell you? (laughs)
0: Um, I think I saw it in Busy Contacts.
1: Oh, I haven't There's got There's a count that. at the top. Oh, I've got, it tells you at the bottom in Contacts, I've got 180. I cannot possibly know more people than you do. What's like you do?
0: I mean, obviously I know Damien from DPD, but that's probably about it that I know that you don't. Mm. <laughs> no, I, ne- I definitely need to uh, have a triaging session with it um, and then get these things in. So I, sh- I sh- will report back on how that goes. One thing that worried me about the contacts actually was... If I took them out of iCloud and I put them into Google, would it kind of lose the connection in the phone app on iOS? Would it now think that that was a different person than the person I spoke to on the phone last week? So I moved a couple just to test. Uh, no, everything's fine. So I'm confident, which usually comes before a fall. So I will report back. Uh, that, that's the only thing that's outstanding. I would say the calendars are a no-brainer it's finished at the moment wouldn't you
1: i'd say so yeah
0: yeah i'm not thinking it needs anything more at the moment i know you've done some things with with yours but i'm thinking at the moment no that's sorted out so i'd say we're getting there but what we're going to do is next time i'm going to cover all the changes and improvements we've made to the system because we didn't leave it there did we um i think your your approach would have been do the deed right What we had before is working in this new system. Let's leave it alone. My approach was slightly different. Okay, everything's working. What can we do now to improve it slash break it? So that's what we're going to cover next time. Now, can I just say, ooh, incoming new toys, long awaited new toys? No, not more hardware. This is software. Uh, It's in the form of Affinity Publisher Beta for Mac and Windows. If you recall, we were talking about when this was going to come, weren't we? And it arrived as promised just before the end of August. They left it till like the last day at an evilly early time of the morning by my recollection. But in my defence, I was on holiday at the time. Excellent planning there. It was completely coincidental, but most welcome. Actually, I should mention that the holiday was a complete farce and it's taken me all this time to recover. People bothering us. Basically, sorry, but I need fill in the blank. All day, some days. Next time, I'm burying the phone. Uh, But that's relevant because I downloaded Affinity Publisher. I'd hardly got the app open when a rush job arrived from a client. I seriously wonder what part of holiday they don't get. But I took the brave decision and jumped right into Affinity Publisher to design the brochure they needed. Can I do a mic and issue a review spoiler?
1: Feel free.
0: It was a complete joy. There was instant familiarity after four years with Affinity Designer and a couple with Affinity Photo. It was very similar in terms of creating files. Um, There were more options because they were relevant for layout documents. So you had pages and spreads and master pages, but the whole implementation was very smooth, even with many pages. Uh, The expected tools for text, shapes, etc. were there and three text tools, artistic, frame and tables. The tables feature is surprisingly very feature rich. Um, I managed to create several really advanced table styles very easily. The formatting was simple but powerful and there was a huge range of typographic options which I I must admit, I hardly ever use these because it's easy to overdo it and I certainly wouldn't use them all at once. But it had drop caps and decorations, initial words and a whole style system going on. Now, the style system got to love the styles feature, especially when you're chaining them together to create cascading, updating styles. So, for instance, if you've got a heading one that you'd like followed by a bold paragraph And then the paragraph after that, you'd like not to be bold. You can chain those all together. So when you press enter, you get the next style automatically applied. Now, it's also got great text on a path feature, which I'll I'll admit I've never ever in any app used in anger myself. But it always seems to be something that users ask for. I think for me, it's just too reminiscent of word art for my liking. You ever used text on a path? No have you ever even thought that'd look fantastic if that text was on a path? No me neither. Just us then. Uh, now the image handling's superb. you can you've got the ability to embed assets in the file or link to them externally and you can flip between the two of those at will with an embed manager. Now the linking and embedding thing is the way to ensure If you link, you can ensure assets can be updated without having to do it manually. So you would have a folder with your logo and and anything else in you want. They could even be placeholders, if you like. And then when the assets come through or they get changed, you just place them in the folder and they get updated seamlessly. You don't have to do a thing. Uh, One thing that impressed me was the table of contents. Now, it all hangs together with the linked styles feature. But once you've styled things up as headings, you can generate a table of contents. Works absolutely perfectly. Love that feature. I've even managed to put in a sub table of contents that only relate to a specific part of the document. Very, very easily to do. Very, very easy to do. Now, documents can be split up into different sections, which brings into play a section manager. Which if you've used Word which I loathed when I very first moved to Word from WordPerfect. Sections, what? Seriously. But sections allow different page numbering schemes to exist within a single file. So you basically section off parts of your document. So imagine at the beginning, you've got your table um, table of contents at the beginning. You can have those numbered uh, Roman numerals and then start the actual document on page one. So that that would be your second section. I spent an entire week deep diving it in between mithering phone calls and then did a live session. Uh, It seems to be very, very popular right now as the views of the recording of the live session on YouTube are off the scale. Uh, There's still a few gaps in the functionality currently implemented in it, even though we've had a good few beaters since that first one. I was hoping for a data merge feature. Think mail merge. My intention was to replace a plugin solution that I'd previously used in Sketch. Now, the plugin in Sketch stopped working a while back and then I moved from Sketch anyway. Let's not talk about activated software and and silly rules. Um, But there's no mail merge yet. Um, The other notable feature that's missing is inline graphics and anchors. So you can put a graphic in there you can wrap the text around it but it's stuck on the page. So if you add more text and that graphic happened to relate to a specific paragraph that it was next to when you put it in, but now the paragraph is three pages away, the graphic doesn't go with it. So that's an important one, to be honest. Something I wanted to do was create figures like you would have figures in a book. Um, I wanted to create a cross-reference and I needed an anchor option. So basically like a bookmark to link to. Now they are still adding features during the beta, and it's just as well because the export personas currently missing in action, and that's one of the key features of Designer for me. So I was really curious to see what they'd got planned for Publisher, but uh, not much there yet. Uh, there's personas you've got layout, vector, and photo, but currently only layout is functional. And uh, when you click on vector and photo it tells you're going to need an update. So it's going to take an update to both designer and photo to be able to round trip the files from publisher. Although we have had some new icons uh, just added to the last beta. So um, maybe sooner rather than later, you never know. Uh, No mention of pricing yet, but expected to be within the same range as Affinity Designer and Affinity Photo. Of more importance, no mention of an expected launch date for the official release. I didn't recall the public beta program for Affinity Photo being that long. I remember being surprised how fast they went from first beta to the release. So it might not be that long, but it's been what? uh, September, October, November, so three months already. Um, I wasn't expecting it to be that long, to be honest. So heading off to find out any information possible, I made the mistake of visiting the official beta forum. Wow, it was scary in there. There's a reason I usually leave the forum searches to you, isn't there? Mm, There is. I can't be doing with it. Um, People very rudely demanding their pet features be added. Stat. Not much in the way of decorum on display, that's for sure. Uh, I'd say best avoided unless you're looking for something specific. In which case, wait until there's a book. Nasty, nasty, nasty place. So is it worth downloading the beta? Um, absolutely. Always worth trying it out before purchase. You've got the benefit of cross-platform compatibility for those surface users amongst us. <coughs> I intend to tempt clients to move ASAP. I look forward to the day I can retire Microsoft publisher. Um, Affinity Publishers way more capable than Pages, but it's as easy to use. So I'm looking forward to transferring everything over. And if you need that final push, even Mike has downloaded it. The only rain on my parade is the lack of support for links in PDF output, which shocked me and sent me racing back to Keynote for some work that I needed to get out of the door, which was when I found Apple had broken link support in a point update to Keynote. The clean version of what I screamed was for crying out loud, Apple. It took them over two months to fix it. They were aware of it. Uh, in the interim, their best advice was, and I quote, roll back to a previous version. Hm. If you had one, of course. And unless you were savvy enough to have deliberately made a backup or you used time machine, you'd be out of luck then. Some things really should be more simple than they are. So just waiting for a final polish on Affinity Publisher before, hopefully, a swift release. Now, enough with software. Are you ready for an Amazon extravaganza
1: of a shopping with Elaine? Not another one. It was a simple job. Mm, famous last words. I was tidying up my Amazon wish
0: lists. I have no idea where eight of them called shopping list X, where X is a number, From one to nine came from. There were nothing on them, so a simple matter of deleting them. Forty minutes later, I'd lost the will to live. There was no delete button anywhere. I headed off to the help system, exhausted that. And I followed the instructions to the letter. Now, there were no screenshots in the help, which would have been a help. I still had more wish lists than a kid at Christmas, though, so I thought I'll contact support. How long could it possibly take? Let's just say I will take food and a blanket next time. First nightmare, finding somewhere to actually contact them. There were three options. Email, I have not got all day to explain and get stuck in an endless loop of replies. Phone, not happening, just no. Text chat, lesser of three evils and screen captures for when it fails. Big style. So I opt for text chat. Representative comes back. I explain I want to know where the delete button is for wish lists. After about 10 minutes of hello, my name's Sonny and I'm going to help you today. I get a reply to the first question. Yes, I know you're laughing, aren't you? It was like the two Ronnie sketch where they answer the question before the question asked. I was informed there isn't a way to delete a wishlist. Well, there certainly used to be because I've done it. I expressed my incredulity. I explained that there's a page in their own help system that explains how to do it, but it doesn't work. Their help page was wrong, according to Sonny, if ever anyone was inappropriately named. But I digress. So there was no way to delete a wishlist. But the good news was he was prepared to do it for me. I'm already sensing you can imagine where this is going. I confirm the precise wish list to be deleted. Shopping list seven. I confirm this twice. He deletes it. I refresh my wish lists page. And yes, it's gone. We sign off on the chat with the problem semi-solved. I say semi-solve because I still had all the other wish lists, the shopping list wish list things I didn't create and don't want. But hey, slowly, slowly, as they say. The chat flashed up a message asking if Sonny had solved my problem. I considered it for a second and figured since it was a yes, no option. I guess he had. At least he had if we ignored the other wish lists. So I hovered. Meaningfully over the yes button. Something was nagging at me though. Yes, the old if it can go wrong, it will go wrong, with great big flashing knobs on it feeling. I moved the mouse away and checked the wish list page again carefully. Oh dear lord, my main wish list had vanished. He'd managed to delete not only shopping list seven, but my main wishlist. The one I've had since I placed my first order with Amazon 20 years ago. Needless to say, the know you're a complete muppet button was struck fast. I now needed to speak to somebody. A phone call.
2: A phone call never ends well.
0: Too right. It seriously does take a lot for me to make a phone call at all. But when forced upon me due to complete customer service incompetence, no one is actually going to need a phone to hear me rant. Needless to say, you don't actually ring them. You leave a number and they call you back. This, of course, is only after navigating your way through a circuitous what's the problem maze for another 10 minutes. My precise circumstances, guess what? Weren't covered. So I chose that what options I considered they would deem worthy of calling me back ASAP. And seconds later, the phone rang. With my trademark Hannibal Lecter nibble twitching, I answer it. I explain in words of one syllable as if she had the intellect of a cabbage, which as it turned out was overestimating her cognitive skills considerably. She assured me I'd requested that he delete the main wish list twice. No, dear. That was shopping list seven. Eventually, she agreed he'd done the wrong thing. And I was still awake at this stage. Remarkable given how long it had all taken. On the home straight, I thought. Just need her to restore the wish list and we're done. Mm, If only things were that simple. Quite. That was when she revealed the full horror of what they'd managed to do. Deleted... Meant deleted forever. They had no way to restore it. Incredulity abounded. Things
1: went very quiet at that point. It was only the calm before the storm, though. Too right. You detailed your displeasure calmly and dispassionately, you mean? No, I went completely orbital. A phrase we use a lot here is
0: tore him a new one. It's not even possible to allow account elements to be irrevocably removed, surely. According to her, absolutely possible. Her best advice recreate it. Breathe. I demanded a supervisor. She did her absolute best to dissuade me. Not happening. I assured her I had enough time to spend all day on this if required and further informed her that she'd entered into paid-for time now and I'd be billing them for my time until this was rectified. At the mention of the hourly rate I would be charging, she nearly choked on her teeth. Needless to say, a supervisor was on the line with amazing
1: rapidity who confirmed the previous rep's assessment, nothing to be done. Brave man to tell you so when you were in that mood all very foolish. Never fear though, after I'd shared
0: my thoughts about the situation for a little longer, he came round to my way of thinking, which was find a way, because the situation was just not acceptable. What they all assured me couldn't be restored was then restored, as well as two more wish lists. he found that the first idiot had managed to delete in his culling fest. Lesson here, never Accept anything they say is definitive. Do not give up until you've got your own way. And don't leave without compensation for your time. Uh, I haven't paid for Amazon Prime in years. I extract 30 days free Prime subscription every time they foul up. So peace reigned. It did for five minutes. As I said, this was an Amazon extravaganza and I wasn't kidding. You would have thought they'd leave it a couple of days at least before winding me up again. But no, within the hour, another crisis struck. An order I'd placed with free next day prime delivery reported as taking two days to arrive rather than one. It can't, I thought. I specifically checked that when I ordered, and it said next day. I checked the account two days, same as the email. Bait and switch clearly. But how to prove it? (laughs) Long and bitter experience with Amazon. Every purchase is screen capped at each stage of the purchase process. I dug out the screen caps of the initial confirmation. Guess what? One day delivery. I knew it. I contacted support. (laughs) Long story short, and I'll give you the short version this time. We're not scheduled to be paying
1: for Prime again until February 2020. I arrived home at the tail end of this. I actually said to you I wish I could be more like you. Oh, good grief.
2: One is more than enough. Much more.
1: I'm a pussycat by comparison.
0: These things have to be done, and I will have my own way in the end. (laughs) Shopping with me is fabulous, isn't it? It
1: is.
0: (laughs) This is why I don't venture into a real Tesco's anymore. Not since the ASBO, anyway. Ah, but... Amazon did come up trumps when it came to something else. <laughs> they actually managed to get an order here on the right day. Cables, the bane of my life, especially when Apple ship one that would mean I could only charge and use my new iPad at the same time if I were lying on the floor to do it. The only plug in an average house that's above waist height is in the kitchen, you know. And how would you know that? I saw a photo once, but obviously I've got no personal knowledge. So there I was with my shiny new toy and a dilemma. The shipping cable is USB-C at both ends, meaning no chance of using any of the 2060 watt USB charging ports I do have on my desk for exactly that purpose. Idiots. Now, the MacBook Air was marginally better. As I explained, it's got a longer cable and a thicker cable, but it's still USB-C at both ends. And I have no desire to be crawling under my desk to tinker with the three million plugs I've already got under there to add two more. And even if I did, I'd only have to venture back under there to extricate them when I'm off on my jollies. No, it just wouldn't do. I pondered if I could buy a cable that was longer and had a standard USB-A connector that would work with my existing chargers, all 20 ports of them. Now, longer wasn't a problem. But we're back to where do Apple get the prices from? So Amazon it was. Now, I know that you after hours MacBiters are mentally screaming drink at the mere mention of the Amazon word. I did find lots of options, all considerably cheaper than Apple offerings. But having said that, so are most gold bars. Apple were charging £19 for a three foot cable and £29 for a longer one. Still the problem of the other end, though. Because at this stage, I thought, well, how much would an additional charging block be? Just checked, £69. I'm only trying to charge an iPad. Anyway, Amazon had exactly what I thought I was looking for. Not only that, but in a pack of five for £7 on sale. I was actually in two minds whether to risk them at that price since it was a time limited sale though I decided to go for it but to be honest I was still in two minds as I unwrapped them when they'd arrived then I figured Do you know what I've got apple care if it blows the thing sky high so I plugged in and waited for the bang or more likely the message that the device wasn't compatible but I think this is the third time I've said this today it just worked we used to say that about Apple kit, but this is an Apple kit and it just works. So for my £7, they're 99 when not on special offer. I got two three foot cables, a two six foot cables and a 10 foot cable. They're nylon braided in silver and black, stronger than the Apple cables and more importantly, compatible with my existing charging solution. So I was sorted and they're highly recommended. You see, I test these things so you don't have to. I have the one thing I haven't checked is how long it took to charge it. I just left it on from about two o'clock in the morning till about nine the following morning. So seven hours and it was charged. So I don't know how long it actually took, but not long. So they are absolutely fabulous, which means I didn't have to spend any more money on anything else, which means I can buy other things, doesn't it? Anyway, swiftly moving on. Yes, it's the next OS in our MacBytes 10. And it is all the 10s. It's Yosemite 10.10, which was announced the 2nd of June 2014. Do you realise that was WWDC 2014? Do you remember it? The Craig note? Not at all. No? No. Do you know why I remember it? It was mum's last WWDC. And she she was, I think she she watched most of that one. She enjoyed it. Um, Basically, it was two hours of Craig showing off the impending OS to be called Yosemite. And, and I'd completely forgotten this, it was the first public beta programme for years too. They'd allocated a million free places for beta testers. It was finally released to an eager public 16th of October, um, which was a Thursday. Weren't they always Tuesdays? Or is my mind playing tricks on me after the Amazon debacle? Anyway, I installed it on my venerable 2009 iMac, the one with the black plastic back. That poor thing. That was all it ever did. <laughs> it got first dibs on every OS and, and turned up its toes a while back. Um, But do you know what was even more alarming? Because I checked this. I did the deed on my production machines over the weekend of the 19th and 20th of October. Whoa, that's alarmingly early for me, isn't it? I sat here and thought, why? Why would I do that? Because I certainly wouldn't do that now. Mojave? Sometime Christmas, maybe this one, probably next. Well, I think it was the major interface changes. That was the one where we were out with skewomorphism. Yay! Death to stitching in iCal, and in with flat design and handoff. Handoff. Go on. You've got to say something about handoff. How much do I love handoff, man? It just works. Yeah, no, don't get me going. It's got very specific support requirements and most of my Mac supported it, supposedly, but then actually getting it to work was a completely different business and I've had to turn it off. But that is a long story for another day. Um, I did manage to get the Mac to ring when the iPhone did, but answering it was another business. Having said that, if my phone rings, it's usually a wrong number, so I don't really care. Um, They added a today view to Notification Centre. Did that? improve your life at all
1: i have notification center switched off
0: Uh, i very seldom see it so no can't say it did um it was the demise of iPhoto which i thought was sad one i like the way it used to do the books two i've not got a clue how iCloud photo library thingy works and it's actually very difficult to find any help with an app called photos whereas when the app was called iPhoto it was specific, you know, you looked up iPhoto help and you got iPhoto. Why don't they think about this when they name these things? If you look up, you know, photos, help with photos, you get lots of stuff, but hardly any of it's appropriate. Yeah, not the best thing. Not the best thing Apple ever did. Um, they did improve Spotlight, though. It became an Alfred clone. You probably turn that off,
1: don't you? Can't remember. <laughs> so you use it frequently then spotlight no I never use it use alfred what happens when
0: you press command and space okay alfred yes so you turned it off like yeah. i said what i find useful with it is when you're setting up a new mac before you've even got alfred on you're not at that lost stage of how do i run an app because spotlight it, it's sort of a, a baby alfred clone isn't it so it does kind of work and it, they did improve it but i must admit no i still turn it off not interested they did fiddle with what the green button did, though. You know, the green zoom button? It, From that point on, it entered a full screen mode. <sighs> hate that. Do you ever use that? No, mode? never use that. No, me neither. Absolutely hate it. I use Moom. I use Moom to take things what I would call full screen, but it's not, is it? It's maximised. Yeah. Maximised, but not full screen. So, no, that that was a. Big mistake. Um, If you hold the option key down, it doesn't do that, though. So the the option key is basically nailed down on my computer all the time. It was also the first dark mode in system preferences. Not for me. Mm -mm. What about you? Didn't even know it was there. No. Um, One thing that struck me as I was looking through this was um, there were some screenshots. Game centre. There was a lava lamp animation garishly scaling coloured blobs why <laughs> no i've not a clue never used it do you remember that no i can't remember what was there before that but yeah the these things anyway never mind game centres now just a dim and distant memory luckily do you know three people were following me i have no idea why one of them was you so you must have logged in at least once
1: <laughs> it's one of those things you see what it's all about and then you never see it again
0: The trouble was, once you'd logged in, it was like a limpet. You couldn't get rid of it. So, you know, I said a few shows back, um, I had Game Center listed in something and it said you accept the terms. And in a fury, I thought Game Center, no. And when I said no, it completely vanished. And I thought, fantastic result. But then I thought, what if I want that back? (laughs) Because it had gone. (laughs) It's completely gone. Well, never mind. I'm never likely to want it back. So that's fine. And iCloud Drive huge change do you remember we talked about the calendar things when you had to do your move yeah do you remember the one-time process to upgrade to iCloud Drive because I'd completely
1: forgotten I never did it until um what are we on now <laughs> Mojave but I doubt you are I know I'm not on Mojave High Sierra I never did it until High Sierra wow I, I must have done it around this time.
0: But um, once you, I think the thing was, once you'd done it, after the upgrade, changes that you made on pre-Yosemite Max and pre-iOS 8 devices could be seen in iCloud Drive. Also, any changes made in iCloud Drive weren't visible on pre-Yosemite Max and pre-iOS 8 devices. So it was one of those nightmare scenarios. The two storage locations completely distinct. It was a complete nightmare. I have no recollection of actually doing it, but I did. I know that I did it, but I have distinct memories of doing the calendar shuffle, but I have not got a distinct memory of doing that. And clearly you you do. You remember you did it much later.
1: Yeah, you, you told me at the time they broke it, so not to do it. And you never told me <laughs> they fixed it, so I didn't do it. You just assumed at some point they'd fixed it. Yeah.
0: Another thing they added in iOS 8 was um, family sharing with one family organiser and five additional members. Now, we've never, ever done that here. From memory, because you couldn't share in app purchases. But being part of a family gave you many more features. You could share photos, streams, calendars, reminders, location information. Um, one funny thing that I read was uh, an apple i d can only start or join a family group twice per year in an attempt to avoid frequent family hopping, <laughs> which sounds like it should be illegal. We were just too scared of any current or future gotchas to be bothered with it. Um, managing an individual account's bad enough without linking two or more, so never bothered. Are you sad we never bothered? No. No, logic being, if you can't get into your account, I can get into mine and vice versa. If we link them, neither of us may ever get in again. But the good thing with Yosemite was it formed the basis of what we see in macOS today. I might admit to having a grudging soft spot, maybe. It was also the start of the most stupid range of names. I'd grown fond of the cats and we never did get Tabby Cat though, did we? No. But that's what we always call the next version of Mac OS here at MatBytes headquarters. So uh, whatever follows Mojave today is being referred to as TabbyCat. Now on to good but gone and an old favourite. In fact, more than a favourite, an essential. It was completely indispensable for a long time, but finally died in 2012. By then, though, to be honest, I'd given up on it. Other browsers had far more features than Safari, and they were built in. So I was much less reliant on Saft. Saft was a utility app uh, that added features to Safari. And because it was indispensable in its day, I wouldn't upgrade the OS when there was a point update every time it it broke it. Um, So I'd wait until there was a new version of Saft. And I vividly recall impatiently waiting. Do you remember that? No, not really. Oh, I, th- I thought you used it. So I thought you would.
1: It was there, but... Hmm.
0: I always remember um, me and Sweeper Ian, on Facebook. Um, Not Facebook, good grief, no, not Facebook. Um, Twitter with, is it out yet? It's out, I want to upgrade. I know, if I can't, it'll break saft. <laughs> so we both used to wait for it. It was an input manager and input managers weren't intended to add features to web browsers, but could be persuaded to do so. Um, obviously, that meant potential security issues, hence it breaking every time there was a point update. It was the main reason I, I wouldn't update back then. Now I don't update because it probably isn't safe. But back then it, it was SAFT and it had a, a huge range of features, most of which I didn't use. But you could add shortcuts to websites. Um, so you could type pre-con- preconfigured strings to load specific sites, which I replaced with type in ATA. So I didn't really use that. And do you, you, you won't remember this, but I'll tell you and then you'll be as stunned as I was. Rearrange tabs. Unbelievably, it took Apple to version three of Safari to build it in to Safari. Seriously. <laughs> so you couldn't rearrange the tabs back in the day. So SAFT did it. Um, you needed SAFT if you wanted to force open contents into tabs. Safari didn't do that either. SAFT gave you the ability to auto hide the downloads window. Now, really, the downloads window is not
1: actually that in, intrusive now, is it? No, it's, it's a tiny, tiny thing on the, it do, it on doesn't, the bar, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it, it just kind of indicates, doesn't it? It's not a window. But yeah, this used to let you hide it. Also, you needed this to sort bookmarks. And I do remember for me, I often wanted bookmarks alphabetical. I'm anal like that. Um, And you couldn't do that either. So SAFT provided that. Um, Then there were things like control drag to scroll a page. And it does. It seems completely laughable. But you could hold control and drag a page up and down. And I'd never used it um, because it was strange because I loved opera in the mid 90s and they added gestures. I mean, now we've got trackpads and better touch tool and and stuff. But back then, you needed saft for this. It's scary, isn't it? It sounds so prehistoric. There was other things that it added as well. Uh, Full screen before full screen was a thing. And there was also um, max screen, which is what we've just been talking about, where it maximises the size of the window without taking it full screen, which that green button mustn't have done. Back then, that must have been added in Yosemite, like we've just talked about. So that actually would have been quite handy, wouldn't it? It would. You know, for things like YouTube yeah. or iPlayer. Hmm. Mm. So that, that was a good one. Uh, it also blocked up pop-up windows and uh, ads and banners and stuff, which I appreciated. The trouble with it was when you came to install it, you always had to close Safari, and then you had to run it, and then you had to run Safari, but then you had to configure it, and the configuration options were as long as your left leg they were huge. And as I say, I only ever used a handful of them, but it was absolutely essential. And I can't remember the point that I thought I can't be doing with this anymore. But I think it just got too much that you could never upgrade and then it would break. And then they stopped updating and that was the end of that anyway. But I think I did leave it before it actually died. But uh, that was SAFT, and uh, I found that the year I got my Mac, and I must have used it for at least five years. So, um, yes, a good but gone. Luckily, we don't need it anymore, do we? <laughs> I think your browsers and, with add ins and plugins are that powerful these days, you don't need to think about things like that. Yeah, totally
1: agree. Now,
0: if you've been living under a rock, you might not be aware of, wait for it, drum roll, please. <laughs>
2: Seriously, sit down. There's nothing I can say that will mitigate the shock of this.
0: As I was saying, if you've been living under a rock, you might not be aware of our... new show! There are MacBiters fainting worldwide right now.
2: I did try to warn them.
0: Yes, after years of threatening it, we finally did it. We did a MacBites Live without an Apple event interfering with our fun. It was fantastic we had no idea what to expect. As we said in the follow up mail, we could well have ended up talking to ourselves for the duration. But you folks were awesome. Over 100 of you tuned in live and there were many more requests for recording to enjoy after the live event. We were actually going to bin it, Uh, but we used YouTube. So there was a ready made replay and it is still available if you want to catch up anyway we had such a good time and such great feedback from you we're doing it all again in fact we're doing it again a few times before christmas the next macbites after hours is friday the 30th of november at 9 p.m. uk time yes that's today if you're listening to the show the day it was released it's macbites friday Now, on the agenda is a video tour of uh, Mike's new Surface toy and a few other bits I've secured over the Black Friday Cyber Monday sales. Cases, stands and more. All the details are in the show notes where you'll find links to the new homepage of the After Hours show and the full schedule of the upcoming live shows. So be there. It would not be the same without you. But that was it for this episode of MacBytes. As always, we'd love to hear from you. So please send your questions, comments and queries by email to macbitesuk@gmail.com, at gmail.com. Or you could make our day and leave a review on iTunes. We haven't had a new review for ages. You can sign up for the newsletter at macbites.co.uk. You can follow MacBytes on Twitter at twitter.com slash MacBytes. You can follow me personally on Twitter at twitter.com slash Elaine Giles.
1: You can follow me at twitter.com slash thomasmike.
2: And you can follow me at twitter.com slash macbitesiri.
1: So until next time, this has been Elena Mike bringing you Macbites. Goodbye. Goodbye and see you next time. What are you up to now?
2: I'm opening an Instagram account. What for? To post photos to, of course. Photos of what? Your dinner? No, don't be ridiculous.
1: Well, what then?
2: Oh, come on now. I know your hardware is showing its age, but even you're not that slow. If you have yet another grand plan, just spill. I'm going to be an Insta star. I'm certain to go viral.
1: Do you have a big following then?
2: Not yet, but I soon will have. With what? That topless photo of Elaine, of course. She'll kill
1: you this time. You're dead. So dead.